that is actually a notion that I took from Robin Wall Kimmerer, who's a, a botanist and an author. And her philosophy is that sustainability isn't enough. Reciprocity is what's needed. And we need to look at it as a reciprocal relationship uh, where we have a responsibility to give back. And so it's just kind of, you know, I feel like it's a subtle difference, but to me it was really powerful in that it's not just enough to maintain it. We have to rebuild. Welcome to the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast, inspiring real women with a passion for fishing and the outdoors to go get their adventure on. Now, here's your host, Angie Scott and Barb Carey. Welcome to the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast. We're on episode 47, approaching 50 episodes on this crazy ride that began just a year ago. You know, most podcasts don't make it past seven episodes, so that's something to be pretty proud of. And you know we're not going anywhere. We're 100% committed to the woman angler and adventure movement, and we're so thrilled to have you be a part of it. To help gain more exposure, we've brought on a field promotions person, and we created a Facebook page. That's not to be confused with the Facebook group that you're already hopefully a member of. That's a closed group, and we wanted to make a page to try and reach more people. So you could really help us out by giving us a like on the new page. We've also revamped our YouTube channel, so we're going to start adding some more videos soon. So please subscribe to that. I'm going to get my drone pilot's license here pretty quick, and I just upgraded my computer so I can start producing out some pretty cool GoPro videos, so stay tuned to the YouTube channel. Quick announcement before we jump into a great conversation with Kara Armano and Marsha Brownlee from Artemis Sportswomen. Barb Carey will be at the Wisconsin Fishing Expo in Madison, Wisconsin, February 22nd through the 24th. She's going to be there representing Wisconsin Women Fish and the Woman Angler and Adventure podcast. So if you're able to make it, please be sure and stop by and say hello. And all right, I noticed our friend Nicole Stone, who's been on the show a couple times, is going to be there as well presenting on using social media to make ice fishing connections. So I'm sure that will be a pretty cool talk. All right, so enough housekeeping for today. If you're someone who loves fishing, hunting, or other outdoor adventures, which I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that you probably are if you're listening to this show, then conservation issues are likely something very near and dear to your heart. We want to introduce you to Artemis Sportswomen. Kara and Marsha are going to give you a little background on the organization, what they're doing to help with the many issues threatening our world as we know it, and how you can help even if you don't have any idea where to start. So without further ado, here we go. Marsha and Carol, welcome to the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast. Thank you so much for having us. We're going to get into what Artemis is and what you stand for here in a moment, but I want to give the listeners just a little bit of chance to get you to know you ladies before we jump into all that. So Kara, let's kick things off with you. Would you mind, I was, I was reading your bio, would you mind talking a little bit about your great grandmother and what kind of woman she was and how that uh, influenced your path? Yeah, sure. She, uh, her name was Grace and she was raised in Sun River, Montana, which is a tiny, tiny little town north of Great Falls, you know, where the 
tiny little town, walked to school every day and helped her parents, you know, with all the chores and stuff. And so outdoor kids growing up her whole life and then um, moved to Northwest Wyoming outside of Powell. And that's always where I knew her. And um, we spent a lot of time visiting her on our way from Wyoming, where I grew up, up to my grandparents' house in Montana. And we'd spend a lot of time um, out in Montana camping and fishing and hiking and all those kinds of things. And almost every single year she would come with us camping and up until she was like 96, I think she came camping with us. So yeah, just really strong, bold woman. um, Very wise. You know, she was widowed at a young age. I think my great grandfather died right after I was born. So I never knew him. So I just always knew her as just a really strong, powerful, thoughtful woman and um she was always really great about getting us outside and that kind of continued down the line too her daughter my grandmother was also very outdoorsy we always spent every summer camping and playing outside and going on hikes and all those kinds of things and then my father um is the one who fished my my great grandmother fished too but not like she's the one who taught me she just kind of is the one more who taught me to take nature in and be observant and notice your surroundings and see what's all out there and kind of take it all in every time you're out in the woods which still resonates strongly with me today and then um because of that my dad was always into the outdoors and his dad was a hunter um and fisherman and then he really got into fly fishing kind of later in life and had always done that as far as my memory goes and so um i was always jealous when he and my older brother would get a go and go fishing for the day and i was too young for for them to take along just because you know they'd have to piggyback me across rivers or whatever was the case um but then uh as I grew a little bit older my dad was willing to take me fishing with him um whenever we'd go camping in Montana we'd go outside of Missoula on Rock Creek and so my days as a youth in the summertime were really spent tromping around the waters on Rock Creek and learning how to fish and kind of bringing that whole observation of nature thing into play um, while fishing. And so about eight or between, I was about eight or 10 years old, somewhere around there is when I really started getting into fly fishing and loved the sport and would go out with my dad and brother every single day on our camping trips and fish sometimes all day (laughs) much to my mom and my sister's chagrin we were gone and they would hang around camp and do whatever else but other if I wasn't fishing I was always in the river moving rocks around and making little dams and watching fish kind of come and chill out there and hang out and catching minnows and you know just always interested in kind of what's going on especially when it comes to water and fishing and all that kind of stuff. Did did your mom and sister get into fishing at all at any point? No, my my mom tried it a little bit, but she never liked it. And same with my sister, just not their jam. They'd always rather go on hikes and do wildflower hunts and all kinds of stuff like that. So it's not like they weren't enjoying nature, just not the way we did. Gotcha. Well, I love that you had such a, a strong role model, a female role model, and your great-grandmother and your grandmother. I love hearing stories about the older generations of women that 
just went after it because that was so rare back then and uh you know starting to shift a little bit now but uh i just find that so inspiring so very cool yeah it it was fun to fun to learn from such wise women and marcia uh, i was reading your bio and it uh it said that you didn't really get you you've always been really into the outdoors but didn't really get into hunting and fishing until you're in your 30s how did how did that come about so yeah you know i grew up in in michigan and um in my childhood those those summer camping trips on the lakes or in the woods uh, were definitely a part so i had a deep connection to nature that i kept with me uh, for my whole life and then took into my career as an educator, as an adult. Uh, but it wasn't until I moved out to Montana that I really um, started got paying more attention to to fishing and then eventually getting out hunting. And, and Carrie, you and I have Rock Creek in common. That was uh, sort of where I started um, fly fishing and fell in love um, with the fish, really. Um, but, I, it, you know, I think I, I started hanging around when you move to Montana, you start to hang around people who fly fish a little bit more frequently than they do in Michigan. Uh, and so it started by just, you know, accompanying them on those trips uh, and watching and then just asking questions and get really interested in, in what was happening and then picking up a rod myself uh, and trying it. And, you know, fly fishing has a really steep learning curve, but when you have a taste of success, it's really intoxicating. <laughs> and so I mm-hmm. uh, just, just kind of fell in love with it and, and continued. And, Um, You know, I think, again, with fly fishing, I've been fly fishing for about nine years now, but uh, it is a steep learning curve. And if you have a lifestyle that uh, doesn't accommodate going out very frequently, that learning curve can take a few years. And so I always joke that I've been fishing for nine years, but I've only been intentionally catching fish for the last three Um, (laughs) and still kind of working on, on, um, on perfecting all of the components that come with that. And then, and then hunting, I've been hunting for the last, um, this five years. Uh, and and just kind of a similar path, just interested in engaging more deeply in the ways that I was connecting with nature. What type of hunting do you do? So big game, rifle hunting mostly. Um, I've uh, hunted deer, antelope, uh, bear, unsuccessfully hunted elk, Um, (laughs) but still giving it a shot. Well, you're the first person I've come across who's toted herself as a wildflower aficionado. That struck me as really interesting. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I didn't get into that again until I was an adult, and I moved from, so after Michigan, I lived in Massachusetts for seven years and then moved to Colorado, and noticing just how different the spring flowers were in Colorado from what I was used to in Michigan, and so then really paying attention to to what I was seeing um, and and learning about the historical uses um, of those flowers, both medicinal and for food, um, and just trying my best to get to know them and then transferring that to Montana and being really fascinated. Cause when I lived in Colorado, I lived at a higher elevation. Um, and just, I was really fascinated when I moved to Montana to a lower elevation to see these same plants and how different they can look just depending on, um, you know, the, the elevation and the amount of water and sunlight that they get. The same mm-hmm. plant can, can be hard to identify in, in two different States. Um, and just really getting to know them and learn about them. And I just love them. Really cool. So let's let's get into what Artemis is all about um, and how how did it come into being? It was kind of the brainchild of Aaron Kindle, who um, I met when he was at TU, Chart Unlimited, and um, he had since left and gone on to National Wildlife Federation. 
and was always really interested in figuring out ways to get new people talking about conservation. So not necessarily, you know, um, to say that the conservation communication has been done incorrectly over the last, you know, 100 years or whatever from the sportsman's perspective, but engaging new demographics into that. So like when I worked with them at TU, we were working on a program through the sportsman's project, conservation project that was Trout Unlimited to kind of get ranchers together and ag interest and oil and gas developers and recreational users, as well as sportsmen talking about some issues that were relevant to all of us. And so that was kind of always his passion. And then when he went to National Wildlife Federation, he kind of saw a big hole there with not a lot of women getting involved in that kind of conversation, especially when it came to wildlife. And so it's kind of funny to me that um, a, a man helped start Artemis, but it really kind of was his brainchild. And then he reached out to a lot of women that he knew um, one being Jesse Johnson, who was one of the co-founders as well, and she works for the Wyoming Wildlife Federation. Mm-hmm. Um, myself, because we had worked on these other projects together, as well as um, I think eight other women were the co-founders all over the Western United States who were really passionate about conservation, wildlife, and kind of how those two intermingled, as well as kind of changing the the paradigm of how that conversation is framed and how women can kind of come into being leaders in that conservation space, as well as maybe framing that communication around that a little bit differently. Um, And so January of 2017, we all got together and kind of put words down on paper in terms of kind of what our goals were and how it would come together and um, what we kind of wanted to accomplish with it. And a lot of that's still coming on board as, You've probably known Marsha is a fairly new addition. She's our first full-time employee for Artemis. The rest of us are volunteer um, on numerous different different levels, figuring out how we can expand that from the Intermountain West eventually to, to be national. We have ambassadors in quite a few states now, as well as an advisory council, um, of which I'm a part of that you know, it's kind of continuing pushing these things forward and figuring out how we can kind of talk about our three main tenets of where, how Artemis was founded, which is protecting public lands and waters and speaking up for those when it makes sense. So we got pretty involved in the national monuments debate last year um, in regards to protecting those public lands and waters. We also are are prominent in terms of speaking about iconic species, especially in the Intermountain West. So we're mainly focusing on cutthroat trout and mule deer and flash stage grouse because they live in this really, really similar areas and are very affected by each other's ranges and what's going on with those situations. So species that are indicative of overall ecosystem health, because obviously cutthroat trout need very cold, clean water to survive. So, um, we step up to advocate for maintaining those kinds of ecosystems for their long-term health. And then the biggest tenant that we've really been pushing lately is empowering women to become leaders in the conservation space. Because if you look around, most conservation organizations are run by men. And not to say that they're doing a bad job at all, because they're doing great work. But 
women have a lot to say. And I think they have a little bit different story to tell in terms of what those lands and waters and wildlife mean to them. And so we want to give them the tools they need to advocate for those issues that Mm -hmm. matter most to them. Um, And so that's kind of how, I guess, a little bit of the how and the why of Mm -hmm. what Artemis Mm -hmm. is. Do you find that like women just tend to be maybe a little bit more intimidated and maybe that's why by the, by the political climate and maybe that's why they're not as apt to, to jump in and get involved And Do you feel like their voices are heard and taken as seriously as, as men's voices are? Mm-hmm. I'll jump in and take that one. I do think they are taken as seriously and I don't know so much if it's a, uh, an issue of intimidation rather than an issue of not being invited to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the communications that happen uh, around conservation are, are geared towards sports, the sporting community, which uh, typically predominantly is sportsmen. And so when we, when we broaden the conversation to not only include women, but to say specifically, we're asking you to come to the table and to speak up about these issues that are important to you. It's just, again, it's hard to imagine doing what you're not seeing modeled. Uh, and so we're just modeling it and inviting women into the conversation. And I think those voices are actually extremely powerful because uh, it's it's different. It's a change of scene when you have a sportswoman walk into a community meeting and voice her opinion. Um, it's it's something new and it's something different. And I think people are paying a little bit more attention to it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day. Uh, it, it's a podcast I reference quite a bit on this show, actually, by uh, these two brothers down in Florida called Salt Strong. So com- completely different arena. Like they focus on saltwater fishing. There's a lot of issues going on in Florida right now in terms of conservation. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned that it's interesting that our industry, the the outdoors industry, hunting, fishing, all that. We don't have like just one big organization. Like you look at the NRA that has tens of millions of members and they have, you know, they can make a huge impact in getting accomplished what they want to get accomplished. But it seems like our industry is so segmented. Like you have the saltwater people, you have the fly fishing community, you have, you know, all these different the ducks unlimited, all these things. Do you, do you, are there any conversations about like everybody coming together and there being just one massive powerhouse group that fights for these issues? Um, that's a complicated question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do know in my work with the National Wildlife Federation that behind the scenes, there's a lot of coalition work that happens mm-hmm. in particular one of the one of the major issues that Artemis is working on now is the land and water conservation fund and there's a huge coalition of organizations that are collaborating to make sure that our um our work is in line and and supportive of each organization but i but again if that's behind the scenes i i mm-hmm. don't know what that would look like if it were to move to the forefront and be just a one one cohesive voice. Uh, but I think the coalition itself has um, a lot of power and um, the ability to, to speak to a lot of different groups that respond to very different messages uh, and hopefully bring them to the table on the same issue. So I do think there's some strength in the diversity as long as the, the ability to work as a coalition remains strong. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's that's a great point. It sounds like that that might be the answer just because of the nature of the industry that a coalition, mm -hmm. you know, might have the biggest impact. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that makes sense. So Artemis has some pretty lofty goals. I was I was reading them mm -hmm. on the website. Um, has there been any I know it's it's fairly new, but have you seen progress thus far? Yeah. Uh, so. I mean, there was a ton of energy right from the get-go. I think this this mission really spoke to people uh, who were eager to get involved. Uh, and then, as Kara mentioned, I'm a recent addition to the team. I started in June uh, and have been able to work fairly integrated with the public lands team. Um, and, you know, my sole mission is is to help engage sportswomen in conservation advocacy. Uh, so I spend all of my time doing that. And we've made significant leaps and bounds in sort of promoting our uh, brand online. Uh, but then we also just <clears throat> launched a state ambassador program. So we have state ambassadors who are volunteer leaders um, across the interior West who um, we will work with to really form those on the ground relationships with other sportswomen uh, and help support them and mentor them both in their sporting capacity, but also in their conservation capacity to really get work done. Um, and we've also deepened one of the great things about the National Wildlife Federation is each state has its own affiliate office. Uh, and, and Artemis is developing relationships with those affiliate offices to work on local issues. And so <clears throat> the last six months, a lot of the growth that we've had has been in relationship building um, and then program development for moving forward. So 2019 is going to be great. Well, you you mentioned too in your bio, you said that sustainability isn't enough. Uh, can you dig a little bit deeper into what you mean by that? Yeah, so that is actually a notion that I took from Robin Wall Kimmerer, who's a, a botanist and an author. And her philosophy is that sustainability isn't enough. Reciprocity is what's needed. You know, sustainability is important. It's a reciprocity that's necessary and that, you know, the earth gives a lot to us. Um, and it's and we need to look at it as a reciprocal relationship uh, where we have a responsibility to give back. Uh, and so it's just kind of, you know, I feel like it's a subtle difference. But to me, it was really powerful uh, in that it's not just enough to um, to maintain it, we have to uh, rebuild. Yeah, no, I, I, th that's why I wanted to point that out because that struck me as yeah. a really powerful thought too. Um, you know, so often we just think, you know, we have to sustain our resources, but it's a, it's a lot deeper than that. Um, it to mm -hmm. to really make an impact and make it better for future generations. So, uh, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of work to do. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, there you know, thank you guys for what you're doing. And, uh, you know, and if there's anything that we can do to help, you know, please let us know. And how, how do people get involved, listeners out there, if they want to get involved? What are some of the best things that they can do? Yeah, so the best thing to do is to join Artemis. And you can do that by going to our website. It's Artemis. Dot nwf dot org uh, and joining is free and um, that just gets you on our on our list so you get the monthly newsletter and it gives us an idea of where our demographic um, hubs are so when we are planning events and planning outreach uh, we know where to find you it gives us information on what your specific conservation interests are so if there's action that needs to happen in uh, you know 
southern Montana, we can reach out to you specifically and say, hey, this is happening. Uh, here's what you can do to help. Let us know if you want to do more. And so that just gives us a lot of information to reach out and, and form a personal relationship. You can also follow us on uh, social media. We have Facebook account, Instagram, and Twitter. It's Artemis Sports Women. But I would encourage everybody to sign up because that definitely gives us an opportunity to build a meaningful relationship with you and help you build the skills specific to your interests. We want to get women involved on whatever level they want to get involved on. You know, some women aren't really mm-hmm. going to be the ones to step up and say, I want to fly to D.C. and talk to my congressman. That's, you know, kind of an extreme <laughs> example. But a lot of them want to, you know, talk to family and friends about kind of some of the issues they might be seeing in their backyards when they're out hunting or fishing. And that's great, too. You know, maybe we can ask some of them to sign petitions at some point or write letters to the editor. You know, there's lots of different levels and ways to engage. So, you know, we want to make it very approachable for a wide variety of interests, time, investments, um, issues that they're passionate about, you know, so don't, don't be afraid and don't get run off by the, by the, um, what can be kind of a little bit daunting in terms of advocacy work. We'll help you get there. If you want to pursue that and, and grow what you can do, then, that's what we're all about. We can, we can kind of facilitate that and help you figure out how best to communicate the message that you're most passionate about and move those issues forward. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if, if someone out there has never gotten involved in this space before and they're thinking about it, um, you guys actually kind of train them on how to like talk to their representatives um, and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. We've held a okay. handful of advocacy trainings. Let's see, quite a few states now, right, Marsha? Montana, mm-hmm. um, we did one, a couple in Wyoming, one in Colorado, a couple in New Mexico, I believe. And so mm-hmm. I think that will be something that's ongoing in terms of educating. And it doesn't have to be just be women who show up, certainly. Anybody who's interested in wanting to get involved in talking to elected officials mm-hmm. or whatever that might be, go to city meetings, go to county game commissioner meetings, those kinds of things, and speak up for, for the concerns that they're seeing. Because, you know, we rely on these, these sportswomen. They're the ones out there seeing it. They're the ones out there in their backyard and noticing it changes from day to day, year to year, season to season, those kinds of things. So um, we, we need those, those people out there and talking about it and getting involved. And we're happy to help <laughs> them um, figure out that best way for them to get involved and Um, encourage them to do that however they're comfortable. One other thing that um, we are interested in doing is is education on these on the issues because it's incredibly complicated. Um, each issue that we deal with is incredibly complicated, and it's difficult to find information that kind of boils it down um, to the nuts and bolts. And so, so when it, for women interested in getting in, into conservation, in addition to helping them with the advocacy skills, just really understanding the complexity of the issues um, and helping helping them begin there. Well, cool. Like I said, I think it's so cool what you guys are doing and that you're, you, you know, are inviting women to the table, like you said. And that's kind of what we're doing with this podcast is, uh, showcasing women and, and, uh, that are out there hunting and fishing and leaders in the, in the space to just inspire more women to get involved in the sport because, you know, there's, like, 
like we mentioned earlier, it's traditionally a male dominated sport. And so when you see other women out there doing it, then that can encourage you to get involved as well. And so that definitely applies to the the conservation space as well. So uh, totally support what you're doing. Before we wrap it up, we have a woman angler and adventurer Facebook group. And I had mentioned uh, yesterday that we were going to be having this conversation for a future podcast episode. And one of the, first of all, Jen Ripple chimed in this morning and said to give a shout out to Kara. She says, you're the best. Uh (laughs) I I love Jen. She's great. (laughs) Yeah, we uh we had a we interviewed Jen and Heather uh when they were on their Rip and Hoppers adventure. Oh yeah. Uh they stopped in Nashville was their first stop and so I was able to meet with them at the Fly South Fly Shop and do an cool. interview and it was a blast. Oh, we yeah, had so much fun. <laughs> for sure. So is Heather for that matter. They're yes. both great and so the we're two actually of them talking together. to them from an from an Artemis perspective on how we can kind of help them with their tour in 2019. So cool mm-hmm. for some, some compilation there. Yeah, that would be awesome. I can't wait for them to go back out again because I was following them on their whole trip and watching their little live videos and stuff. And then when it ended, I was kind of sad. I was like, oh, I miss this. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't I wait know, for right? them to go out again. But uh, Jennifer Hall in our group had commented, she said, I'm always interested in hearing the catch and release versus catch and keep conservation. Personally, I I fish, I'm going to eat it. But I wonder if women in particular tend to skew in this direction, or are they more catch and release? Or is it about the same as men? Do you have any kind of insight on that? From what you've seen? Well, I don't have like any scientific numbers or anything, but certainly from what I've seen, I've um, taught women fly fishing for a long, long time. And uh, I think for the most part, they really kind of ascribe right off the bat to the catch and release and understand kind of the basic methods of healthy catch and release methods Mm -hmm. really quickly. And I also think women just right off the bat, whenever they're getting involved into a new sport, understand the need to protect what they're after. Um, like, I think it kind of goes back to what Marcia was saying with the reciprocity thing. Women really get that right off the bat. And so I think it's, like I said, I don't have specific numbers, but I do think it's pretty well understood by women that, you know, you can't always catch what you keep, what you catch. It's, uh, right. it's just not a sustainable model. And it's something that they understand, like I said, instantly generally. And I wonder too, if it's like different in fly fishing, I think it is different in fly fishing than like, you know, just regular fishing where it Mm -hmm. seems like in the fly fishing world, there's definitely a lot more, well, rivers are more delicate for sure. That type of resource and uh, the type of fish I think too are more delicate typically. So maybe that that has, you know, makes an impact on that as well hopefully we can have you on again um and talk get get a little bit more deep into maybe maybe we could do an episode on you know specific tips for people that are wanting to get into conservation in the political space and how to navigate that 
um, I think would be really Great. cool. I'll share links to everything in the show notes and um, that way people can go there and, and check that out. And the website again is artemis.nwf.org. So that sounds like that's the main place to go to sign up and get involved and uh, go from there. So appreciate it again. And, uh, and we will talk again soon, I hope. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Please go to thewomanangler.com slash 47 to find links to Artemis so you can help support them in their mission. There's some pretty cool photos there as well. Also, please remember to give us a quick like on the Facebook page. Thank you for all the great feedback on the show and for continuing to spread the word. We really appreciate it. I'm Angie Scott. Until next time, remember, only go fishing on the days that end in Y.